Welcome back, winner and all. This is the podcast, Mercenary, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, Christian Joel Ramos, and I'm back at it again with another review. And today's review is one that's anticipated, and I had people discuss it. This will be my first documentary. So this is not a linear story. This is a documentary that was on Netflix, and I'm pretty sure everyone and their grandmother has watched it because of the absurdity of the people in this. You think they're characters. You think this is a spoof. I am talking about none other than the very polarizing documentary series, Tiger King. Yes, I'm doing this. This is a not safe for work review. So this is not for workplace. This is not for families. This is for the grown folks. This is for the adults. This is for the scumbags and assholes that actually appreciate this thing. Because this show was fucking bonkers. Let me just get started by... First off, everyone on this bloody show, like, all these motherfuckers come off like crazy people. Alright, I was watching it one night, bored as hell. Some shit was trending on social media that I'm like, what the hell is Tiger King? And it was, of all things, the first person to catch my attention was the wrestling uh, podcast po- podcaster, uh, Ryan Satin. And he posted it up, and then it started trending on Twitter, and as it kept trending, then it ended up on Facebook. Because you know, as always it is. First, it trends on Twitter, and then Facebook comes to it like a week late. And that's where all the memes come up, because the memes don't pop up on Twitter. The memes pop up on Facebook. And I'm like, what the hell are these memes? And then people mention this crazy-ass documentary called Tiger King. Now, I watched it like seven days after its release. So last Friday, I think, right? Last Friday is when I started to watch the first couple episodes. Just the first episode to test it out. And this show was just off-the-walls bonkers, like... These motherfuckers are all crazy. Like, I don't know, this Joe Exotic fella is one crazy son of a bitch. Let me just just get started. This review will be the review of episodes one and two. I'm just going to break this into, like, parts. I I mean, it's not a linear story, so I'm not going to give you, like, narrative details of what's going on. But essentially, I'm giving you the highlights of what I I got in my notes. Tiger King. uh, This is a documentary about big cat people, right? And um, apparently, they gave you statistics from the news, like little clips from the news articles saying, More cat tigers are kept in the U.S. than free in the world because they're an endangered species, right? So more tigers are pets to rich, bored Americans who got money to blow. Mind you, a tiger costs about two grand. I didn't know this before going into this. But then again, it takes about almost a million dollars to feed that son of a bitch for a one full year. So it's an investment. You can't just think, oh, it's two grand, it's cheap. No, you got to feed that motherfucker. That is a big-ass cat. These are not pets. These are wild animals that people with status and, you know, who are bored. I mean, Mike Tyson got a tiger, right? That's one of the biggest, like, running jokes in Hangover. Um, who else? I remember um, Benji from uh, Good Charlotte had a tiger on MTV Cribs. Um, I saw a clip of Undertaker, like, bathing with tigers with his wife. I'm like, what the? I mean, Undertaker's a badass, so I understand, but, like, these better be some trained tigers because you're in you're in a pool of water with with a wild animal and your wife's right there like that's not safe, bro. Come on, like and then Shaq was in this this whole case. Let me just calm down. So we start off with talks about big cat people and how more cats are captured and kept as pets than free in the wild, right? And um, we start off in Winewood or Winwood, Oklahoma. And we are introduced to the main character, the Tiger King himself, the self-proclaimed Tiger King, Joe Exotic. And he has a wildlife zoo. And um, they talk to his manager who runs the zoo with him, called um, Eric Cowie, and um, his uh, other worker, Kelsey Safry, 
who are going to call her staff for short. They seem like really cool. You know, they seem like they had a peculiar past. Like, these are people with with a checkered past trying to make a better living themselves. So, I'm giving them the benefit of the fact that they're trying to change their life around because they fucked up enough in the past that they're trying to make things right and get a regular job, you know, and that keeps them busy and away from, God, I don't know what, addiction or whatever, right? Then we have a, a live TV show introduced from Joe Exotic has a, apparently, I don't know if it's a YouTube series called JoeExotic.com. Okay, it's its own website. And even though only has like a 50 fan, like 50 people fan base at first, he was putting up there for people who like to talk about big cats and things that have in, is his interest, right? And it's on 6 p.m. Central Time because they're in Oklahoma. And um, uh, I think it's Central Time. I'm not sure where the time zones are in Oklahoma because I've never been out there. Okay, so, and then we have the producer, Rick Kirkman. And Rick Kirkham is like an actual TV producer for like, news and shows and stuff like that and somehow this joe exotic guy got the kind of money to afford him so it's a proper production and he helped boost from 50 people viewership to like you know youtube views essentially right and he made the show popular okay so now we're introduced to um another big cat person but she's from florida tampa out of tampa tampa bay and she got a private zoo as well so joe exotic got a private zoo and when when winewood is it winwood it's let's say winwood winwood oklahoma and he's got a rival that lives out of Tampa who's got a place called Big Cat Rescue. And Big Cat Rescue, unlike Joe Exotic, see, Joe Exotic, what he does, he breeds tigers to the point where they become too big to play with because he actually uses them as props for, like, photo shoots and stuff like that. And that's how he makes his money. He travels around malls and shit and asking families, hey, you want to take a picture of a cute, cuddly tiger? Like, hey, why not? It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, right? They do this shit on TV on, like, Jay Leno back in the old days in Letterman, I remember all this on many channels, like all the late night shows had had at least one animal segment once a week or once a month or something. It was very typical. Um, let's see here. Live TV show. We got Rick Kirkham. Carol Baskin, she comes off as the most hippiest, ditziest person, but low key, she crazy. Like this bitch is crazy. And you'll find out why as I keep progressing because my voice is a little raspy because I had a long day at work. So excuse me if I sound like shit. But I'm just getting hyped just talking about this. So hold on a second. And then we get introduced to a guy that works at uh, Joe's place, right? Named John Finley, who's apparently his husband. So I'm like, all right. Now, I'm not shocked that this guy's gay because he has the most flamboyant-ass, like, wardrobe. And he talks, like, you know, very flagrantly. So you got a man here that's very floral. Let's just put it that way. Very colorful. Very animated. Granted, he runs that wild animal suit. And did I mention he has two husbands? That's right. This man has two husbands. Polygamist. So, I mean, you know, I'm a surprise. At this point, he's got a 19-year-old husband named uh, Travis Maldonado, who's uh, from California. He's like six foot six and tan. Probably some drifter who, like, got kicked out of his house. Once again, there's a running theme here. And then John Finley, who seems like a normal dude with a lot of piercings. You know, but... They showed the ceremony. I'm like, man, I don't know how this guy can convince two guys to marry him because he's not exactly the um, Ricky Martin looking. You know, just saying, you know, to each their own, but this dude is just nuts, man. To be honest, the only animal people I'm aware of are Siegfried and Roy, you know, who got that magic show. And Joe's similar. He's a magician uh, or one of his many um, jack-of-all-trade jobs. This guy's got a trillion different things that he does for his, for his company because he likes to do it all. He's a very much a hands-on kind of owner of the zoo. So, you know what I'm saying? It's just, like, not a shocker. But also, he had some eyeshadow, and he looked like the cross between Hulk Hogan and Liberace. Like, let's just put it that way. Like, you got this guy that looks like a... He got the ill mullet. 
Now, I've never seen like a two-tone ombre mullet, but this guy got it. And he pulled this shit off like, it, it's, it's you. That's the Joe Exotic look right there, right? And my lord, the internet has been lit. Everyone's been spoofing them from like, another reason why I'm watching this is I'm a big wrestling fan. People know this, right? Apparently, Joe Exotic is too. Because as soon as this shit came on trending on Twitter, I go on IG and I go on Twitter. All the wrestlers have pictures with Joe Exotic at one point. Like, all the celebrities have pictures of it and they posted it up. Like, everyone has met this man. Like, how is this guy so damn famous yet no one knows who the fuck he is unless you actually, like, been to his zoo? Because it seems like this guy is real famous because he knows mass celebrities. Or maybe it's one of those things where it's like, it's not big enough to post because, I mean, it's an animal zoo. It is what it is, right? You just show those pictures to your family. Or maybe he, they've posted those pictures many a times and people are like, oh, cool. You never thought anything about it because... The, the people on, in, the, in the zoo aren't exactly part of nothing famous themselves. Until now, you got a whole documentary series about big cat people and their obsession with all the animals and collecting them and training them in like a black market. I didn't, know, I didn't even know there was a black market for damn wild, wild cats. I knew there was a black market for certain like things like chinchillas because you know make fur coats out of them and all that. But no, apparently there is a black market for familiars. People are buying tigers or were buying tigers. Like it was heroin and trading it. Like they were, and it wasn't illegal. That's the crazy part. For many years, you were able to buy able to buy wild cats and sell them on the black market, like on like a some sort of I don't know how somebody knows somebody, some sort of connection here, right? You got the plug. I mean, I've never heard anybody say I got a tiger plug. Let me let, let me just say that because I don't know what this is just wild to me. All I'm getting so hyped up. I'm really trying to calm myself down, guys. So bear with me. But I'm I'm pretty like whoa. Because I've never seen a documentary where the people feel so surreal. Like, everyone in the show comes off like a GTA character. Like, no one seems real. Everyone comes off mad weird. And I don't know if, like, I don't want to, like, typecast, but not everyone in the show is in a red state per se, but it gives you a perception of the part of America that you don't really cross into if, as, as a man of color like I do. Like, there's certain places I avoid altogether. Like, if I take a road trip, I don't take exits on certain places because of that. So bear with me if that's my own like racial bias, but it's for my own safety. If I feel like I don't belong there, I ain't going to be there unless I'm invited by someone I know. You got to have, you know, you don't just go somebody somewhere you don't know and just be like, hey, stranger who I don't know, who probably has a gun on them. I need help finding directions. Fuck that shit. I'm going to call whoever the, the GPS system is for the uh, OnStar. There we go. OnStar and the damn rental car because the hell if I'm going to talk to strangers that look like they got, you know, They've been on meth or some shit. Again, I'm not saying everyone in the South is on drugs. But everyone in the show comes off like that. Like, if I saw people like this, I would not interact with them in real life. Like, hell no. Like, everyone here comes off sketchy as fuck. You know, these are all drifters. And, but let me just, again, enough of that shit. Back to this. Um, so we got John Finley, one of Joe Exotics' like ex-husbands, right? And he seems like a regular dude. And a lot of memes been posting up online saying this guy looks like bootleg or Greater Valley Batista. And I'm like, yo, he kind of does look like Batista if Batista was on meth. Like, this guy has a similar uh, head shape. Uh, he's covered in tattoos. And he definitely got a, uh, an affinity for piercings. But besides that, I mean, come on. Batista's unique. He, everyone knows how Dave Batista looks like. Uh, but I kind of see it. So I'm not going to, you know, the joke is there. I get it. Um, so yeah, he's one of the ex-husbands, um, he, and then we talk, we go here into the backstory of Joe Exotic, 
And apparently, back when he was coming out to his dad, his dad shook his hand in front of his mom and told him never show up to my funeral. Pretty much saying I disowned you because this is back in the old days and, you know, there wasn't no um, equal rights and shit like this. There was no LBGTQT um, organization. You know, it was a different time. Let's just leave it at that. And um, he was so depressed by this that he drove his car off like a guest committed suicide off a bridge and ended up with a back brace for five years and in recovery because, you know, he couldn't walk. So he ended up in some sort of like um, animal farm called, um, hold on a second. He ended up in a place called um, Lion Country Safari out in Florida. And that's where he fell in love with wild animals. So that's where he, those years of recovering from back pain and all that, that's where he got an affinity. Apparently, these um, places have baby animals that need to be fed. And that I've seen. And they're like, you know, you become a caretaker. And then you get an attachment. You become um, the word I'm looking for. You just become hooked on animals. Let's just leave it at that. And that's where he got his uh, obsession for wild animals and taking care of them and loving them. Because he does love wild animals. Joe does not come off as a bad guy at first because he loves wild animals more than he loves people. So I know this dude's definitely got a heart. He's not some, like, asshole trying to poach them and skin them alive and, you know, sell their fur to the black market. No, he's actually taking care of, like, I think he said, like, 277 tigers or just wild animals altogether. So this man definitely got a thing for animals. So let's go back to my crazy-ass notes here. Um, then we meet a guy named Doc Antle, based out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And this dude comes off as the biggest like cult leader slash hippie slash charlatan, um, gigolo. I don't know what you want to call him. Whatever he is, he just is a rich asshole with some brains on him. And um, he's a director of a zoo in Myrtle Beach. I think it's called Myrtle Beach Safari. But he's pretty much a freaking cult leader with a harem. Like, I'm not gonna... Like, I'm dead ass gonna be serious. This guy is definitely bad news. But he's been an OG of this, like, wild animal shit. Like, he is the guy. The guy that supplies Hollywood with all the wild animals for sets. And, like, they showed clips of movies that he was doing. I think it was Mighty Joe Young. Maybe some Jurassic Park. Like, he supplies all the major blockbusters. All Every animal you see on a film set is Doc Ansel. I'm like, oh, so this is the guy that gets animals that, like, can perform in films. And, like, you know, uh, unless they're in the background, whatever they need to be. They're for movies. They're, he's the he's a showbiz guy. And he's been on Leno and, and other, other people, too. Of course, I don't know who he is because outside of showing the animals on these late night shows, who gives a flying fuck who the caretakers are? Let's be serious. Unless you're Steve Irwin, no one remember your name. That was it. He was the only guy I remembered because he was the coolest shit. Everyone else kind of seemed very basic and vanilla. Well, now we know that he's not that vanilla. This guy is definitely out there, man. So we meet, um, we go back to Joe. Keep keeps flipping back and forth to different zoos, right? Because this is the way they edit it. Joe's brother well, passed away. He got his face tattooed on his arm. He's telling a sad story about how his brother was on drugs, I believe. And um, he went to schools to talk to kids about uh, don't use drugs, kind of like a their campaign sort of thing, but with animals. Um, and in doing so... All right, so what did I leave off here, my notes? Okay, so... And now we go to a story where um, we talk about Zanesville, uh, Ohio, where some guy who owned wild animals apparently released like 50 wild animals loose. I don't know if he was on a drug binger or if he's had some issues, but this dude was literally just one day said, fuck it all and just send all the animals like to be loose, right? Which caused a big scene because... Obviously, in Ohio, cops are everywhere, and state troopers are getting 911 calls about animals being loose, like lions, bears, tigers. Like They're not going to believe this at first, right? But 
it got real because they infiltrated like suburban backyards and people got footage and it was a big mess which had to cause a big like legislature thing about owning wild animals in Ohio and it caused a big scene and a big dent in the animal owning wild animal owning industry I guess you can call it right so let's see here um we go to uh, some place in Missouri with a guy named Tim Stark who had got animal animal zoo there him Joe Exotic and uh, Dr. Bhagavan Ansel are part of this quote-unquote bad guy network of breeders where they're all the plugs for wild animals where everybody got like you know this person got a, a tiger to breed to make a liger or you know whatever it is like you need some leopards we'll trade you for this they are all part of this um, collective that um that um Car Carol um, Baskins has got on the Lolo and on PETA like they got them on on radar so we got a Mario Trebeau, who's apparently the inspiration for Scarface. Like, apparently this guy's owned animals forever. And in the 80s, he was the guy that, like, he did everything. Everything you saw in Scarface was literally based off this dude's life. And he was the guy that had the tigers and all these crazy animals. And he, but he, out of all these people that I've seen in this documentary, he's the only one that comes off actually normal. Like, I feel like everyone here is just, like, batshit crazy and he's the only guy that actually for a guy that's committed felonies he admitted to killing a guy and chopping him up in his house like all this stuff that happened in the movie scarface was legit like based off his life he spent time in prison for it it was all for real and he talks like it is like a leisure like it's not even that serious like it's whatever it's like uh, another day in the office or whatever so you know this guy is legit crazy if he's just chopping bodies in his backyard admitting to it i mean this guy used to like uh, crank call the feds for fun. I don't know what his deal was, but he was definitely out there. I mean, I don't know if it was, he was on his own supply. That's probably where the whole thing came from. Like, I was just nuts. But he was literally verbatim showing scenes of Scarface. Like, yeah, we did this. We did that. We didn't do this. This is part of the Hollywood. But they added this. We didn't have a van. It was just a, me and some in a Corvette. And I'd personally do it. And have a guy I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy is like the real life Scarface. I didn't even know this guy was like, because, like, you know, Scarface is obviously a um remake of the 1930s scarface that was based off capone i thought this scarface character was kind of like just based off cuban crimes in miami in the 80s in general but no it's literally based off this one dude who's definitely got some yo he's he was willing to talk about anything but then again he already paid for his crimes doing it so i mean it is whatever and um so this mario Jerbo guy again inspiration for scarface um he, he had an informant that he killed called larry nash Larry Nat, he even named them by name and said, yeah, we killed them, chopped them up. I didn't personally do it, but because it was my crew, I took the hit for it because that's how it works. I'm like, yo, this guy is crazy. But you know what? Even though he's crazy, he does not come off as crazy as as Carol Baskins, as Joe Exotic, and, and, and Doc Ansel. Like, everyone here seems like a damn GTA character. No one seems like a normal human being in this documentary. And it freaks me out because I'm watching this like, where are the normal people? Isn't there any, like, wildcat zoos where the owners are, like, uh, mom and pop, you know, like, normal? No, they're all nuts. So I'm kind of shook to even go and visit one of these places because I do not want to meet the staffers. I don't want not. I don't want to know the damn Baxters or anybody that works there because, you know, they all had a shady past at one point. And it was, it's something else, man. It's just like, man, the more you watch the show, the more you get intrigued and hypnotized by the zaniness of it all because you think, oh, this is definitely a spoof. This is like Blair Witch Project. Like, this is not real. But no, you can look up in Google search every news article that's mentioned on this documentary. It is real. 100% happened. 
I don't know how the fuck I didn't know about this shit, how it's not commonplace, how it's like, not, it should have been national news. Maybe it was, but again, so much news is just splurted on your face into every channel when you're, especially when you're growing up. Because I mean, I'm only in my 30s, so like a lot of this stuff happened towards the 90s, 2000s. And by then, we had a lot of big stories. 9-11 was a big story. We had uh, a lot of war in Iraq. We had a lot of issues that like global issues for like these small scale you know, um, shady zoo stories to be a, a feature at this point, right? So we go back to Doc Ansel. And um, him and Mario apparently are boys from back in the 80s. I mean, he got pictures going back where Ansel looks like uh, one of the Bee Gees with a big old mustache and a big mullet. And um, he's the guy that inspired, like, he's the one that showed Mario about owning wild cats. And because Mario's always an animal lover. Apparently he said that his parents didn't want him to have pets, so... As soon as he grew up and moved out on his own, he had like three Great Danes to start with, and then he started buying more wild animals. So when he saw this dude Ansel with a freaking cat in a chain and having like like a pet, like almost like you know domesticated, and it inspired him to be like, yo, I got all these millions from selling drugs, and it it got to the point where he was selling drugs to just more more uh, to own and just maintain more wild animals, which was the weirdest reason to. But like, guess hey, if you're making millions, you got to spend. Why not? So. This dude just literally would commit crimes to just feed and maintain his farm of animals. That was a, it's not even a zoo. His Mario has got a private house, manor, whatever you want to call it, land in Florida, where he's got a whole, like, acres of acres of land for this stuff. And, um, let's see here. Uh, says here, I'm trying to read my notes. For Doc Ansel, right, in the 80s, he had started this cult-like uh, following where he would find underage girls who were barely legal to like work for him for free. And I don't know what was enticing. Maybe they came from broken homes or they came from messed up lives, but somehow he would like trance them to work for him and they would get paid barely anything for what they were doing. And uh, let's see here. We got Carol Baskins, we'll back to her, and she's literally not paying a dime to anybody. Everyone that works for her does it for their own like cause like they all want to feel like they're helping the cause it's a non-profit and there's different levels to like i guess every t-shirt's a different level of you know uh, promotion for what you're doing and it's it's all seems like legit because they're backed up by PETA and all this stuff so on paper she seems like the on paper seems like the more more normal person but the stuff happening behind the scenes like after hours makes her seem like the most shadiest person because the well, usually the one that acts the most like nicest and kindest in these stories always got some backstory that we haven't delved into just yet. And this is the first, second episode we're getting on before we get into the real juicy stuff because I'm only starting here and moving onwards. And then um, we go back to Doc, Doc Ansel's, um, he's got a harem of women. And um, apparently he has them on a strict vegetarian diet. He gives him free implants just because he's he's uh, vain like that. So, like, any girl that wants them, he can give it to them. And some girls did it not because they wanted bigger boobs, but because they never got days off. They would work from sun up to sundown, and only time they would rest is when they were sleeping. So these girls were volunteering. They're not slaves. They were volunteering at will to work all day long to maintain these animals. And the only way to get any time off was to just get surgery for, for like, and you get a few days off or whatever. And one of the girls talks about it. She used to work for him and quit. That she did it just to get the time off. And it was like a relief to not like uh, not be working from sun up to sundown. And I'm thinking to myself, 
I get it if people come from broken backgrounds and they gotta like feel like they owe something to somebody to help them out. But like if you're working literally from the day you're the moment you're waking up to the, when you go to sleep, it's, you're not living. You're just living this perpetual cycle of just um, legalized slavery because you're only getting paid a hundred bucks a week or something for something that should be paid handsomely and at least a grand working with, with wild animals. These are jobs that technically people with degrees like biologists, marine biologists, these are people that are actually getting bachelors and masters and maintaining animals. And they're just hiring girls off the street who are like, apparently don't want to live at home or whatever to do this shit for like pennies of, of the hour, which is wild to me that anyone would agree to this. But again, I don't judge anyone's life. Whatever you need to do to keep yourself afloat, it is what it is. So, I mean, it's free rent. I mean, they get fed for free, so you don't really need money. So it's free housing. You live on site. So there's no travel involved. There's no need for um, um, rent money. I get it. So, like, the money you get is just spending money for food. Probably you get, like, takeout or something. Sure, why not? Let's see here. So Joe's worker. So Doc Ansel's got this nice little cult-like... Um, campsite for these ladies. They all get their own houses or whatever. Apparently, he has like three houses for all his wives. They're like one, two, three. They all live like their own neighbors to each other. But he lives on his own. So this guy's got multiple women, but somehow sleeps alone at bed at night. So I'm like, yo, this guy's got some serious baggage. He's got some serious things going on in his life. But I don't give a damn because I just want to know where this is going. Because I'm watching this with some sense of intrigue and like also like breaking down the psychological aspects of each person. And one thing I've noticed, they're all narcissists. Everyone in this damn show is a huge narcissist to the level that their egos like have succumbed their personalities and they've become who they perpetuate themselves to be. It's kind of like that old dude that buys a Ferrari to seem younger. It's like one of those scenarios. And you just, they're like, yo, what exactly? Like these people really think they're, they're all that. And that's the thing. These, It's a sense of seeming cool because you can tame and control these wild animals like a sense of power right so like i'm strong enough to tame the wild beast or whatever then meanwhile back in oklahoma joe's got the greater value bootleg version of what he's doing what doc anthem's doing he's got all these um people living in mobile homes and with expired dating expired meat get this expired meat from walmart and like um publix and all these places I remember when I was young, uh, when I was working in supermarkets earlier, all the expired meat would go to pig farm, not pig farms, it would go to some sort of refinery. They would go in rendering barrels and go to refineries. So I guess in Florida, this guy, I mean in Florida, in Oklahoma, this guy, Doc, um, Joe Exotic, is buying the, the chum and feeding it to his men who work for him. And like the best picks of the, of the expired steaks and chicken, whatever you can find, or pork chops. And then whatever they didn't take to eat with them, they would give to the animals, which would be like giant um, carrying crates of, you know, to what I don't really call those things, those giant crates, the uh, cargo crates. There we go. And uh, it just boggles me. These guys are getting paid nickels and dimes as well. But their circumstances are way different because they're all former drug addicts who are living on the street, hopping greyhound to greyhound like drifters. And Joe would be like their savior. So this guy's like, you know, their, 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 their savior. Like, oh, you saved me from a bad time or from like, going back to jail because I need to find a job at a certain time. And so he would give them legitimate jobs. And I get it to keep them out of jail because of probation. So they got to stay working or they're going to go back to prison. It's, it's wild to me. So Joe's workers live in beat up mobile trailers, eating expired meat, rat infested places, 
and they're okay with it. That's the sad part. They're okay with living in these horrible, unlivable, inhumane, literal rat holes because it's better than living the street. And that brings a lot of, it kind of humbles you. It really does. And this is where this current episode ends. But from these two episodes, what I got was that Joe Exotic is a paranoid, like he's the most paranoid guy I've ever seen in my life. This dude has got guns up the wazoo. He's just strapped up everywhere because he has it in his head that because Carol Baskins is out to shut him down, that she's out to get him. And once you get somebody into a state of hysteria, the paranoia takes over and they literally think at any moment the government's going to come in because she called them uh, she called them on, on him. And that's when you go crazy. So Joe's literally going nuts, trying to defend his land, but also making threats on interviews. I'm like, yo, this guy's literally like threatening. Like, he doesn't understand. You cannot make threats in interviews in where you're recorded. Like he made one threat that sounded so serious that the sheriff of his county is like, now we know this guy's dangerous because if anything goes on, we're in for a war to shut down. If we ever need to shut down a zoo, which we don't, but if we ever did, this guy would just definitely attack us because he's not going to go down easy. Him and one of his boys that works for him, they both got guns, like revolver guns, with the bullet with bullets right that are engraved with each other's names. So they got our they got their suicide like their last stand suicide like ready in case shit ha it, it shit pops off. I'm like yo, this is wild to me. Like this guy lives and dies for his animals. But you, I kind of understand why he came from a house where he didn't feel loved. So these animals give him the love that's missing. But it's not a reason to act all batshit crazy. It really isn't. And it, it's, man, I don't know. This show is wild to me. This is only the first and second episode. I can't wait to see where, where the third and fourth go. But so much has happened in these first two episodes. I'm thinking here, like, did I forget something? Of course I forgot something. I remember seeing uh, Saf. There was one part where she apparently reached for the tiger cage and got her arm ripped off and mauled. She got mauled. And they made national news. It made it made everything. And she was okay with keeping her arm like cut off and severed. And then having a two-year uh, reconstructive surgery to fix it. Because she's like, you know what? It ain't worth it. I'm like, okay. That's your own personal choice. You don't want to go through therapy to get your arm back? Whatever. But she went straight back to work a week later like nothing happened like if she just got a damn like um sprained ankle like i'm sorry if i i've literally have skipped work for like i don't know spraining a finger or something for a few days or that's one thing but to lose a limb come on yo this girl definitely got again i don't know what her past is like but nothing nothing no, no i've never lived a situation where i'm like you know what if i lose a leg it's not a big deal people on the show literally are losing limbs left and right and still going back to work, it's not a big deal. I think this is the part where you kind of have to realize you got to hire professionals to handle animals and not just um, drifters in the street who like desperately need a job. Like This is kind of crazy. This is real nuts. And somehow it was legal at one point because I don't know how far this goes into. But as I continue watching the show, I'm probably going to get more hit, more hype and lit because I'm just like here like thinking like this is, this is not real. And I talk to my coworkers. I talk to people like on social media, my friends, and everyone's got jokes for days because this show, right, like, I don't know, it's the way it's recorded maybe because this is all years apart, all these scenes. 
it just comes off as a weird ass like surreal experience it feels like a spoof movie like the scary movies it does not feel like an actual documentary that takes itself seriously and that's the funny part it doesn't take itself that seriously but these are real serious issues like people are getting arrested um oh and carol baskins definitely killed her husband i don't give a damn what anyone tells me she did everyone agrees she definitely did something because i mean again we'll find out in episode three but they hinted at it towards the end of episode two i'm like how are you gonna end the episode with something like that you just i mean obviously it's a cliffhanger to keep me watching but what the fuck like it's crazy like i don't know what's going on with this lady but i knew something was off when she was too smiley i don't trust big old smiles like that because they usually are fake ass smiles and of course, you know, everyone here is again got some sort of craziness and hers is deep seated. It's not as uh as uh out there as Joe's or, or Ansel's. It's literally more deeper in the well than everyone else, which makes it me more terrified about what she probably got away with because now apparently they're opening up her cold case from nineteen ninety seven in twenty twenty because of this documentary. And she's writing uh comments in Netflix like, Oh, you're pu putting a dirt in my name and you know you're causing more trouble like no you are kind of doing this yourself because you agreed to be on this documentary i believe so i don't know what you're talking about but we'll find out in the next one but thank you for listening to this review this has been the first two episodes of netflix original series tiger king this has been the puerto rican powerhouse the mic for hire the uh <laughs> man i can't even say my damn uh, sign off so till next time take care and stay in have a great night